Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast. I have three words for you. Dr. Vanessa Lapointe. <laughs> okay, this is the first episode where I have a guest speaker. Um, you guys may know that up until now I have just been doing solo episodes and I love the amazing feedback that has been coming from everyone around what I've been sharing, but I know it is time. Um, to have other people on, other speakers, other experts who are going to share their wisdom and add a whole lot of value to what you guys are hearing each week. So I'm really excited to have Dr. Vanessa Lapointe on. Before we begin, I do want to acknowledge the Darug Nation. They are the traditional custodians of the land on which I live, work and record this podcast. I pay my respects to all First Nations people, elders and ancestors. And I acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and I stand in solidarity towards a shared future. So if you don't know where you have stumbled onto, this is the Emotionally Intelligent Parenting Podcast. I'm Stephanie Pinto, your host. Uh, I'm a mum of two. I am a best-selling author, an international speaker and an award-winning coach. And I love all things Emotionally Intelligent Parenting. And I have to say, hand on heart, I am really proud of my family and the work that we put in. I'm really proud of my kids, my husband and, and me, like our growth. You know, if you would have met us mm, five, six, seven years ago, holy moly, you know, we were completely different people. And so I just want to say, please, like, continue to follow on with podcasts and YouTube videos and books and, you know, blogs and, and all of that continue learning this stuff because every little kind of brick that you build matters um and again you know to have Vanessa on this podcast that's another you know it's it's a I think it's 20-30 minutes of some gold that is going to you know you're going to bring this into your not only your ears but I think your hearts and I think your what what she says is really going to land with you. We talked about so many different things. We talked about attachment, um, parenting styles. We talked about the connection that we have with our kids and when that's removed, what happens. We talked about um, having or, or kind of creating hardy kids, not hardened kids. We talked about discipline versus punishment. We talked about when kids can look really compliant and calm on the outside, but they have this inner turmoil and they're in a stress response and and why we need to um, connect and and understand their emotions and, and support them to know how to regulate those. So lots of stuff, lots more. I'm not going to keep going on. I know you guys are excited um, as much as I am. So let's jump straight in. Enjoy. Okay. Hey, Vanessa, how are you? Doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Well, we were just talking offline about the, the dramas that has been happening in the last 24 hours here, but um, just with my family and, and my son. So we're all good. He's They're off at school today, the kids. So, um, And your kids are older. I know yours are older than mine. Mine are still young. They're, they're six and nine. Um, how old are your boys? So 16, soon to be 17. And my eldest just turned 20. Mm, wow. What even, right? So that's old. not going to happen to me. No, no. <laughs> oh gosh. So I'm really looking forward to chatting with you today. I want to say um, a huge thank you for coming on before we even get started. Um, I don't think you need any kind of introduction because your work is, it's all across the world. Everyone absolutely raves about you. Also, we were just talking offline about some um, interesting comments that we got on our social media, but um maybe we maybe we start there because i know that you know 
this way of parenting, I don't even want to call it a new way of parenting. I feel like it's what we, perhaps what has always worked with our kids, but we've kind of gone off track and we've, we've been, um, maybe tricked or, or, you know, we've been guided in, in ways that really don't support us, our kids and their, our relationship. So you talk about a lot, a lot about attachment. And, um, I actually remember, I don't know if you remember when we, so I actually met you in real life for the first time in Sydney here, when you came with Maggie Dent to do a, 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 um, a presentation. And, um, I was so nervous that all I, I said one word to you when I met you for a photo, I said, hi. And I think you said hi. And then we just smiled at each other and I was like, Oh, I can't do anything else. (laughs) But you, you talked, it was amazing. Um, I took so many notes and you talked about attachment and sort of the, the way that influences our relationship and that we need to, we need to understand and know a little bit about that, which we're not taught at Mm. school. We're not taught about this stuff. We're not taught when we have kids. Mm. So maybe you can explain a little bit about that and, um, in your words and why it's so important for us. Yeah. So attachment is the word that researchers gave the relationship between a child and their primary care provider. And it originated in the work of John Bowlby in the 1940s and 50s when he was working in a children's hospital. And he noticed that children would be admitted, very sick children. And over the course of their stay, they would appear to become sicker in that first week. And what was happening is that their parents weren't allowed to stay with them back in those days. And so the very, very sick child, who we now know would have a very activated attachment slash alarm system, would be dropped off at the hospital in that state, and the parents would have to leave the child. And then they would show up, say, on a Sunday afternoon for visiting hours for a couple of hours. And Bowlby and his team noticed that during those couple of hours, these children would magically appear to look healthier. They would sort of brighten and the life would come back into their face and then the parents would go and the children would again become very sort of like um, depressed and sickly looking. And so he decided um, on this sort of wild idea that they would, what if they just allowed the parents to stay with the children? And of course, what happened is that the children recovered much more quickly when their parents were present. And thus began the long and storied career of John Bowlby and his student, Mary Ainsworth, who uh, gave us the four attachment styles that people are so familiar with. What we know is that that attachment relationship writes um, what's called a internal working model. It's like a script that gets written upon the child's soul within the first 18 to 24 months of life. Uh, as the child learns the dance of the caregiving relationship that they are in with their parent. So if that relationship is a loving one, and most of the time, though not necessarily all of the time, the child is used to the parent responding when the child has some kind of a need, so they're tired, they need their diaper changed, they're hungry, they hurt themselves, or they're just emotionally upset for whatever reason, that the parent on the whole is generally responsive and provides for the child's needs in those moments. 
that child goes in to develop what will be in Ainsworth called a secure attachment style, which is kind of what we want for all of our kids. We know the longer term research around secure attachment styles is that you're going to be pretty emotionally settled as an adult. You're going to have fairly successful interpersonal relationships as an adult. You tend to do better in school and you actually have better health outcomes, like physical health outcomes when you have that attachment style. And then there were various other attachment styles. Um, the uh, anxious avoidant attachment styles, a child who's learned, oh, my parent doesn't really ever come. And so I'm just going to figure this out. And they look very calm and, and cool and collected from the outside. But on the inside, they're really very stressed and they're having to hang on to all of this on their own. A resistant attachment style would be that you learned that sometimes your parent comes, but Sometimes they don't. It's more common in homes where parents are intermittently really unavailable. For example, if they're struggling with substance use issues or mental health issues, um, and this is a child who, because they've learned, they're not real sure if you're going to show up, they get loud and stay loud, and they can feel like they're overwhelmingly needy. Mm -hmm. And then we have disorganized attachment, which is when you really don't have a program like you don't really know what's going on with your parent and that attachment style tends to be more common for children who have parents who are deeply traumatized and the trauma has not been resolved and it is playing out in the parent-child relationship so those that's how we understand attachment and how we approach it gordon newfeld um talks also a lot about attachment and how it how the relationship forms and the way children make sense of it in the first years of life. And you can watch how that plays out for a child. And you can also watch over time as that child becomes an adult, how that relationship that they had with their parent when they were little will now repeat itself in all facets of their life. Uh, in adulthood. So it's a fascinating, I mean, you and I could probably spend like two full weeks all day long talking about various things to do with attachment and still not cover it all. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot, isn't it? And I do, I really love, I think we're on the same page where we love the science behind it and that there's research that backs this up. I struggle to get on board with things that sound good or, you know, but they don't have that okay, there's, you know, we can tell and we know this is what works and we can see it's been repeated again and again. Um, so that's why I love emotionally intelligent parenting and I love conscious parenting and and things like, and attachment styles and things like that. So you mentioned one of them, um, I think the anxious avoidant parenting style, uh, the uh, attachment style, sorry. And you said, you know, sometimes they look calm on the outside, but inside there's that stress, there's that turmoil. This makes me think of, um, Sometimes we, sometimes parents think we need to toughen our kids up and squash those emotions so that they are quote unquote calm or they look calm and they are compliant and they're obedient and they're doing and saying the right things. And, and that's all I care about. Um, or that's what's good. That's what's valued. But maybe are we missing that inside there's a whole lot of turmoil and chaos and stress and that that can come out later, you know, in different ways. Yeah, we our job is meant to grow children who are hardy, not hardened. And when we say to our children, you're fine, you're okay, stop it, don't cry, this is unacceptable, blah, 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 blah. 
and they actually have like this, this swell of emotions and they're really dysregulated and things are feeling overwhelming to them. Uh, and we don't come alongside, we don't co-regulate them through the relationship, which means lending them the calmness of our adult nervous system so that they can find a way to have their own nervous system settled down. When we're not doing those things for children and they learn that nobody's coming, nobody's going to help you, you just got to suck it up buttercup and take it on the chin and tough it out. When they learn those things, what they're actually learning is to shut down and squash the emotional parts of themselves because the, they have understood that those things will not be accepted. This is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And it's a little like taking a beach ball and pushing it underwater and pushing it further underwater and pushing it further underwater. And eventually what will happen is in a moment of overwhelm, that beach ball is going to come blasting out through the surface. Mm -hmm. And then we societally sit back and we're like, hmm, why do we have such a problem with domestic violence? What's going on with teens these days that they're so like undone? And we scratch our heads wondering about it all. But the truth of the matter is we created it mm -hmm. by not allowing our children the experiences necessary to become emotionally adaptive and self-regulated individuals. To do that, you have to have lots of experience, like tens of thousands of repetitions where you become fired up and unsettled and overwhelmed. And then you have a grown up who loves on you and is like, hey, I got this. We can do this and settles you back down. And neurons that fire together, wire together. So the more repetition your brain has in completing that loop, the more likely you will onboard that as a permanent neural circuit. And that is what is going to allow you to be an adult who's capable of regulating their big emotions and hanging on to themselves when the going gets tough. Yeah, so it takes time. I'm hearing it takes time and it takes our... I, you know, I, I talk about sometimes it, this takes self-discipline, like it so takes much. work for us to be um, emotionally intelligent, for us to understand and know how to navigate and process our own emotions, because a lot of us didn't learn to. Um, and actually, as you were talking, Vanessa, I, um, we were talking about, you were talking about the beach ball. I have shared a little bit with my community and, and maybe a little bit on, on the podcast. I was a very good girl. And I learned what to do and what not to do. And I was really good at it. And for some reason, when I was in my late primary school years, when I got really stressed or anxious or nervous, I would randomly faint out of nowhere. Wow. And that continued. Everything else was fine. And I was super healthy. But that continued from my primary school years through high school, even into my first career, I was a pediatric speech pathologist. And so even in those moments at job interviews or when I was with clients, if I was getting really like, I can't do this, it's too scary, um, I would faint. And I would like, I was like, what's wrong with me? And this is the beach ball. So yes. I wasn't necessarily a kid because I learned not to go outward and explode mm -hmm. and be mad, but I shoved those emotions inward. And yet like they didn't go anywhere. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And the ultimate form of, um, shutting down and detaching from your feelings that don't feel safe and you don't know how to make them feel safe the ultimate form is to pass out or go to sleep 
And we see that actually in infants a lot when they're in really stressful situations, they go to sleep because it's their way of preserving themselves. So that's literally your mind, your mind being like, <laughs> closing the doors, it makes you pass out so that you don't have to actually endure what the brain has determined is not endurable. Yeah. Whoa. So that, that just is a game. That was a game changer for me when I realized what was happening. And I think with our kids, you know, is it right that they may have um, what we would class as small, you know, small problems or small issues, or they'd get upset about little things. And yet if we teach them how to deal with those emotions, if we accept those emotions, if we co-regulate with them, right? If we're teaching them that this is okay, that's not an emergency. Ugh, I feel like that too. Um, that's not, that, that's helpful. And that's not kind of just um, creating them into snowflakey kids. Is that right? It, that's right. And so the idea is that we want to do those things because it's like flexing a muscle. They're actually onboarding the experience that we're providing to them of feeling settled. Where it becomes snowflakey, and it can be a little bit of the razor's edge. You know, you can tip one direction or the other. Um, and in order to stay on top of it, I always invite people to think about paying attention to your intention. So if your intention in the, those moments is to have your child calm because it makes you feel overwhelmed as a parent if your kid doesn't calm down or you're worried that you're going to look like a bad parent or you're going to be embarrassed if your kid carries on this way. If you come in with intentions like that, where you have to <laughs> like pat it all down so that you feel better, then you're going to snowflake your kid because mm -hmm. then you, it's going to be you just zooming in and helicoptering all around to try and manage this situation. However, if your intention is to allow your child an experience of being deeply seen and heard and providing them that safekeeping of holding space and lending them your nervous system for a few moments, then there's no possible way that your child can become a snowflake in the face of that. Your child will be so robust. They will be so adaptive and so resilient in the face of those kinds of experiences. By the time they become adults, they'll be like superhuman if they get to be marinated in that kind of intention on our part. I love it. And I'm seeing behind you, you guys can't see on the podcast, but I can see you've got see it, feel it, be it. Is this yeah. what you're talking about? Yes, because so often, like if I'm going to tell you the number one question I've been asked over the last 25 years, it goes like this. What do I do when? And then you can fill in the blank. What do I do when my kid is not behaving? They're back talking. They're this, they're that. And the problem is that if that's the question that we're asking, we've kind of missed the point. <laughs> Wayne Dyer once famously said, we're human beings, we're not human doings. And our job, even though it feels like a lifeline for somebody to say, okay, when your child's having a meltdown, do these three things. And we're like, okay, great, thanks. The workshop was totally worth the 25 bucks I'd spent on the ticket. Like everybody wants like tools in the toolkit, right? <laughs> but the idea is that if you have a being an inner energy, an inner knowing that is full of swagger and full of compassion and full of presence for your child. You don't need me or anybody else in the parenting uh, world to tell you what to do. 
Because the doing, the action that is required in that moment will come from the being. I, you know, so many times I have parents say, I wish you could just be like a bug in my ear. and You could just like feed me the words to say. And I say to them, I, I mean, we could probably do that. We have the technology for that nowadays, but it wouldn't work because your child would hear the energy in your voice and they would know it wasn't coming from a space of swagger. It was coming from a place of your shrink told you to do this. And so the idea is that when you can have that inner being be full of all that energy, the words will come to you. The actions will flow from you. And that the kind of leadership that our children need from us. Oh, wow. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, we do have the, we probably do have the technology. <laughs> that would be funny. Um, I think, I think everyone loves the way that you explain and, and kind of script out, you know, oh, I get it. And I see you and that would make me mad too. And, you know, we, I've heard, you know, your, with your reels and with your videos and everything, I think um, the way that you say it is so it is so heartfelt and it's so authentic and it's so honest. It's not over the top fairy and it's not hard and cold hearted. Um, mm -hmm. It's this genuine, honest, I see you, you know, I see that you are going through something that you really hate or that is really tough or that you don't know how to handle. And I'm coming alongside you. Like we we'll get through this together kind of thing. And I love that, you know, I love that you share so much about that. Um, I wonder whether we can, whether you can talk a little bit about, you know, as your book is called, one of your books is called Discipline Without Damage. Can you share a little bit about maybe the difference between, the big difference between discipline and punishment in terms of, you know, helping support our kids and raise our kids? Because that's something else that I think I've just seen lots of confusion about perhaps the difference between those two. So um, punishment is laced with the flavor of fear and manipulation. Discipline, in the way that I speak about it, and I'm sure you as well, uh, is all about uh, development and guided connection. And so when we talk about punishment, which is fear and manipulation, we are using fear to control our children. Now, how do you know that you're using fear to control your children? Anything that involves a, a withdrawal of connection is going to create fear in our children. Because literally from the all of that research on attachment, what we've learned is that that connection is life-giving. In the absence of connection, a human child actually will die. You can water, clothe, feed, shelter them, but if you do not love on them, they will die. They need it in the same way that they need food and that they need air. In the absence of it, they don't stand a chance. And so knowing that, what has happened over time is we've used that against our children. And I don't think it came from like a evil place. I think it just came from people saw that, you know, if I'm in a store and I want to leave and my child doesn't want to leave and I say, okay, bye, and I feign as though I'm gonna leave them there, immediately they become distressed and they're running after us. And we're like, ooh, dodged a bullet there, got my kid to behave. Like it's just so easy to see results when you remove connection. You put a child in timeout, they'll start behaving. You take something away from a child that you know they love, 
So you use connection against them. They'll start behaving. You put a, a consequence in place that you know will sting. You're using connection against them because you know, you know it will sting. How do you know that? Because you're in an intimate relationship with your child and you know who they are. You know what makes them tick. And so we use all of these things against our children to provoke a fear response. The fear response is connection is life and I need to get back into the good graces of my parent or I will die. They don't think it here. They just feel it in every cell of their body. And so we use that fear response to manipulate their behavior. Discipline, in the way that I speak about it, is completely different. Discipline is honoring the child for the very one that they are, getting that two-year-olds will bite and four-year-olds will have tantrums and nine-year-olds will sometimes behave as though they're three and 15-year-olds are going to swear their heads off at you when you don't let them go to the party on Friday night because you don't know the parents and you don't know whether or not they're going to be home. <laughs> they're going to do all of that because they're super normal kids. Yeah. And we we make them wrong for being normal. So our job instead of making them wrong is for sure to come in with boundaries and rules and norms and expectations. This is not Disneyland parenting. This is not sending your children off to the flowery meadows to watch them blossom and be like super hands off. It's about stepping in with an equal balance of being firm about what the expectations are and kind about how sometimes that will be really unsettling to our children. Gosh, it's such a such a beautiful way to explain it. And I think a lot of us don't realize that connection is life. As you said, it's kids cannot survive without it. We we don't realize that. And we might not have connected that we felt that way as kids. That feels like so long ago. And yet yeah. then we repeat the same cycles. Um, and I've been there. I remember moments where, you know, I put my kids in timeout and I did this and I did that. And I, and now I look back and I think, oh God. You know, oh, did I scar them? You know, and and we know um, we don't have to get it right all the time. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did we mention that that um, seventy thirty? I don't know if we mentioned that. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. So this is from the work of Edward Tronic, who, on the heels of John Bowlby, he created. So John Bowlby studied what it looks like for children to be separated from and then reunited with their parents in a physical sense. And then Edward Tronic came along and he was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I think important that we studied all of that, but let's up the ante just a little bit. And let's see what happens if we leave the parent physically in the room, but we have them be emotionally turned off. And so the paradigm was called the still face um, paradigm. And uh, he would bring kids into his laboratory with their parents. And he would invite them to interact. These are young children. He invite them to interact as they normally would do. And then on his commands, the parent would turn their face away, wipe their face of all emotion and recognition, and then turn back to their child with this like robotic, empty, nothing face. And immediately these babies, like they could be three, four weeks old. And the babies are like, like, what is, where are you? This is so weird and freaky. And they start to become distressed where they, they'll begin to cry. I have a video of an eight-week-old baby who starts to throw up um, because it's just like a very, all within two minutes, this very dysregulating experience. And so he, he's got, of course, replicated that study, you know, hundreds of times in all sorts of labs around the world. And um, essentially what they've landed on is that in the best, parent-child relationship. The parent is perfectly emotionally attuned to the child, only 
30% of the time. The remaining 70% of the time what's happened is they've fallen out of attunement and they're working their way back into attunement. And he talks about this as being essential to growth and development. Like this is where we learn the dance of relationships. This is where we learn adaptation and resilience when we're coming back into alignment and things can be restored and things are restored. He said it only gets dangerous when we fall out of attunement and we get stuck and there's no move made on the part of the parent. There's no move made for reparation or a restoration of the connection. And that's when all of those yucky downstream things begin to play out for children. Yeah. So that rupture and repair is not only normal, it's going to happen, but actually it can be really valuable, right? To kind of build, build that resilience and, and know, you know, I'm reminding myself all the time, I don't have to parent perfectly. It's okay when I get it wrong and I raise my voice or I, you know, I'm, like missing we're mismatched um those things yeah. again. so i, I yeah. like that. and winnicott even coined the term the good enough mother which we've now generalized to the good enough parent but the idea being like nature is not a fool you know nature would not have created human children so delicate and so fragile that if you had an off day as a parent life as we know it is over and we can repair all of those things and so it's not like a free pass to just go be like a nasty parent for a day just as an indulgent activity and it is an opportunity to really extend yourself some grace and some compassion like for yourself because it can be a tough go and sometimes especially in present day the things required of parents are herculean in nature and um for us to just like take take a minute like just take a breath and Take a minute and understand, like, you are enough. You do have this. Mm, Oh, that feels really good. I think that's such a great way. It's probably a great note to end on. You are enough, right? Because often we do not feel like it. Mm -hmm. So um, I know that uh, on all the places you're you're under Dr. Vanessa LaPointe, so everyone can find you on Instagram, on Facebook, on, on your website, everywhere. Is there any... Any last thing that you want to share with parents or anything that's been on your mind that you kind of want to get across um, before we jump off? Yeah, I would love for parents to know that you were put on this earth to do this. Like we have been raising children for generation upon generation. We actually really do have it within us, the things that are required in order to really show up and really deliver. And when we know better, we are invited in a very compelling way to do better. If one generation, just one, one generation of parents around the world could show up in this kind of a way for their children, uh, I, we, we would change everything. There would be no war. There would be no hunger. There would be no poverty. We would change it all in one generation, just one generation of raising children really marinated in the scientific basis of attachment and connection. Oh, you guys can't see me, but I'm like squeaking my brain off. (laughs) I I'm so grateful for you coming on and for you giving us your time and sharing again, you know, your wisdom and your, just your heart with us, the way you, you speak and you share it just, I think it lands with so many people. 
So I want to say a massive thank you. And, um, and I just hope that this kind of, you know, I know people will have gotten so many different things out of this episode. So again, thank you. You're so welcome. (laughs) Thank you for having me. All right. Take care, everyone. And we'll see you very soon for the next episode. Take care. Okay, so that was pretty amazing, right? Ah, she is just so full of heart and she's so authentic and shares so beautifully. I think it just helps us to kind of come back to what we know inside, like when we take away all the layers of busyness and work and after school activities and, you know, all those pressures, we come back to the connection that we have with our kids, you know, that we had maybe right in those first few moments before they started um, walking, talking, getting loud and and triggering us and things like that. Just that um, beautiful, sacred connection. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that episode. I would love if you can please, as you jump off, give our podcast a quick rating or review on wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever that is please go and do that. It will take you just maybe 10 seconds and I would really, really appreciate it because it will help get this podcast out to more families, more parents who who are looking for support and looking for ways to connect with their kids and, um, you know, bring that joy back into their home. So please go and do that. I will be eternally grateful. And of course, we will see you very soon for the next episode.